So, boys, have you have you or have you not been thoroughly enthralled by the the crowning nonsense? What is it? Not crowning. Crowning is what a baby does. Coronation. <laughs> the coronation. Coronation. <laughs> coronation. You dirty brown peasant! Don't you understand oh that the free world has now received a mm. new leader? The free world. Uh, yes, exactly. The free, the free world through an unelected fucking. Uh, yeah. Anyways, autocrat. That is why you cannot um, understand it. Your genetics do not understand the freedom exactly that right. we have yeah, granted upon you with our. Mm. knives and bombs and horses mm. now we have yes. another mm. old white <laughs> person with a big fucking mm. helmet that they call a crown <laughs> on their head what mm. the fuck is up with crowns okay. stolen jewels at, at yeah. one point at what point humans are so like simple even in their like <laughs> most like what they had at one point believed was like a deeply developed society with a specific hierarchy uh, where God chooses who the monarch of this particular part of the world is going to be like, blah, 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 blah. But at the end of the day, how they like define their ranks and shit is just through hats. Man with hat. <laughs> I mean, look, look, okay, look at like the, the papal see and like, for example, everybody in like Catholicism in Orthodoxy were a bit different. They literally, depending on your rank, they give you different hats and the mm. more higher you go, the, the, the redder <laughs> the hat and the more like specific it is. But with monarchs, it's even more ridiculous because literally the thicker, the fatter, the, 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 the larger the hat is and shit. And only, you know, the, 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 the big boss of the fucking little group gets to wear the fanciest hats with, with as Hakim said stolen jewels and mm-hmm. all the fancy shit. It even and it's a bit like cheesy. I don't know if you noticed, like on the bottom, like the part that actually touches their their head looks very comfy. But it's like it's like shit that like leopard skin or whatever, fucking jaguar skin, like something that I don't know, like a, a, a dirt poor uh, uh, dude from like the, the the furthest outskirts of where I live would not even put on on mm. their on their fucking body. But these motherfuckers swagging it out. Mm. Uh, but not hats, like literally. Hats. That's what it's, it's all about at this point. The fancier hat, the, the, the more control over your people mm-hmm. you have. The diamond in the crown is what? What was it? Like 110 carats or something like that? It's ridiculous. It's called the Koinor diamond and it yeah, was uh, yeah, yeah. liberated from, uh, from <laughs> India, if I remember correctly, which is just, they just need to give the stuff back, man. They love collecting stuff that's not theirs. The British Museum, if if the British Museum gave up everything that doesn't belong to them, then there wouldn't be a British Museum. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, there's some stones and arrowheads and fucking... uh, From when they were swamp creatures, yeah. The Romans are like these degenerates. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. It's like they just shit and eat their shit. (laughs) My God, Anglos, I can't believe. Uh, At this point, I don't know which one is worse, French people or Anglos. I I can't believe I said that. The French, obviously. Um. (laughs) I was hoping he's going to soften up, but no, no. Even now with the coronation. And they made it, like, I love how, like, it got modernized because they made it into, like, a proper event as if it's, like, the fucking Eurovision or some shit. Yeah, like, all and they the, like, popular... Katy Perry's firework when he got the crown placed on his head. Yeah, and I thought that was cool. Mm. Yeah, dude, Ker- Kermit the Frog was there with fucking <laughs> Miss Piggy or whatever the fuck. I was like, well, like, this institution that back in the day would, like, you know, just from uttering two sentences could have, like, a whole country castrated or some shit or, like, have their mm. eyes gouged out and stuff is now like sitting there with their big like weird ass hat looking at miss piggy and the fucking green frog talking out while Katy perry sings in the background <laughs> it is it is what was it really Katy perry no <laughs> no oh my no gosh. it was mm. no Katy perry was there Katy perry sang really? yeah she sang what the fuck K- wait Katy perry <laughs> coronation 
Hold on. Yeah, and he was savage kidding. from yeah. Nigeria, and like uh, even Tom Cruise, like sitting in the whatever, in like uh, what the heck? The I was joking from, about Katy Perry from Top, top <laughs> Gun. What really? Do yeah, no, she was there. Yeah, yeah. Is he, isn't she like too too like outdated now? Or I mean, is well, that, so is the is monarchy. Weird? Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> there you go. It fits. <laughs> it fits. She's like so vanilla that it can be vanilla enough for uh, for a mm. fucking coronation. Even though she like, I think the main song that she sang, I didn't watch that shit, but now I'm reading it live, is Roar, which uh, from what I remember is a very like, what you could call it at least for the levels that are acceptable in pop music, a rebellious fucking mm. song, you know, oh, stand up, go, yeah, yeah, go yeah. against the grind. But singing Roar, in the like the definition of the establishment being you know <laughs> established is I guess a bit ironic. Uh, maybe maybe she's got like uh, next level thinking and she did that intentionally. Who knows? But I doubt. I doubt. Uh, I doubt she has the capacity as a proud American patriot, which is also weird. Why didn't mm. you guys like look, look like Iraq and Iran? Uh, you know Serbia and Croatia, uh, even fucking the, the 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 Germans and the and the French to an extent. Uh, still have a, a certain level of understanding that throughout their history they had like a lot of beef and now they don't like each other or whatever the fuck. But the British crown, which has lost all of its colonies to the evil Yanks and so on, uh, is coronating its new like, you know, holy figure. And they have fucking Tom Cruise literally sitting in an American mm. fighter jet congratulating him. They have American <laughs> singers singing like, come on, I know this sounds weird coming from a communist, but like, give me a mm. bit more nationalism and patriotism for fuck's <laughs> sake. Like, you don't know your fucking enemy, at least. Not enemy, but, you know, if anybody should hold the grudge, it's the fucking king. But I guess, uh, I guess there's some wisdom in that head. When it comes to the king, right, at this point, like the English have had long enough to realize that they should have done something about this dude. Um, <laughs> I'm not gonna make yeah. the first. Yeah, what I, I was just gonna said. say. <laughs> <laughs> but also, also, at some point, you know, when you see him and he's just black faced and you look at him, like, I wonder what goes on in that guy's head. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder if he knows that he like teeters on, you know, <laughs> like. Uh, <laughs> Wait, wait, hold on. Aside from this side topic, weren't wasn't the what's it called like entire royal family connected to the entire Epstein stuff a little while back? At Epstein, least, sorry, at least one of them we know for certain was. Was it Andrew? Right. Was, is he the pervert? I don't know. Like they're they're all perverts, but you know, um, and nothing happened. I assume. No, of course not. <laughs> Why would anything no. happen? Good to know. Good yeah, to know, good to know. All right, glad to live. We live in a what's it called a world of fair consequences. I saw Chomsky um, was on the in the, apparently had some meetings with um, Epstein too. Yeah, fuck. Hmm. Oh boy, are you surprised? <laughs> are you surprised? The guy who spent his fucking life being an absolute anti-communist shill. All right, oh my god, stick to, stick to linguistics. Oh my god, <laughs> and, and and ripping off Parenti. <laughs> no, I mean some of his books are decent, I guess, but I don't know. He always struck me as the kind um, that a liberal like american college student would read and it would stop him just sort of actually like seeing the light but who knows uh, i remember i read i read chomsky and i saw right through his stick uh, but maybe that's because i'm not i'm not from the from mm. i'm not the intended audience possibly mm -hmm. um speaking of hats though back to the beginning guys what are your favorite hats oh wow uh, I do. I am in the market for a cowboy hat. I I've never owned one, <laughs> and I think it would be fun to have a cowboy hat. Um, but I, I I didn't wear hats for the longest time. I didn't like them. Um, 
but I've I've got a nice. Did the hair start receding? <laughs> no. Oh my god! No, my hair started expanding and just poofing up. So I had to either do something with it or put a hat on. So now I just I wear a baseball cap most <laughs> of the time. Typical dad dad wear. Yeah, I'm the same, but like baseball caps have like a different sort of a vibe in Eastern Europe, mm. to say the very least. I have at least like mm. forty, maybe even fifty hats that I constantly exchange. Uh, never the you know whatever you call it snapback or wrapper looking mm-hmm. ones just a very straightforward you know usually black or white hats that have like different designs on them etc cetera, etc cetera. or I, I have at least 10 that are just black with absolutely nothing on them and now obviously I have 3-4 that's a uh, mm-hmm. state affiliated media from yeah. the <laughs> merch which you can check out in the in the link below but I fucking love I love hats I love the practicality and I love how it makes me feel I love that you can just wake up in the morning. Ha ha, women, you can't do this. Ha ha. You just put on a put on a hat and not care about your fucking, not care about your hair. You can just be non hygienic and not actually have a shower. Just put on a hat and then work oh and, then have a, and then have a shower afterwards. Uh, I don't know. That's a, my new pet peeve thing to like have have a shower as a reward after I do some stuff in the morning. <laughs> uh, but that's the privilege of working from home. But yeah, I love I love just you know baseball hats and JT. You should definitely get a cowboy hat. I think it would work. Mm. It yeah, would a bit larpy, a bit larpy, but it would work. No, 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 no. He, he's earned it. Oh, right. his, his cowboy credentials are <laughs> what's it called? Unquestionable. What was I gonna say? I have a friend of mine who uh, who has. Uh, who visited the U.S. and I think it was on a cruise thing. Landed in Miami of all places, Yuck. Uh, and went. Yuck. And the first thing this is this is a little while back, and the first thing he went and d- did was buy a MAGA hat. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> just, like just for the memes, dude. Right? Yeah, yeah. And and, th- and he walked around with it on for a bit, and then people came up to him and be like, "Yeah, right on, brother." <laughs> yeah. like, Listen, I remember, I remember fairly one of the. I don't remember the exact story, but I think some guy basically saw him and then struck up a conversation about Trump esque topics. And then he's like, "Yeah, them them liberal homosexuals, <laughs> <laughs> something like that, something strange like that." And you know, one of the best part about it is, um, he's like, to this day, it's the most comfortable hat he's ever had. It's, it's apparently <laughs> decently made. Apparently, yep. I don't know. I didn't try it on. Well, I've worn um, it. I've worn it. No, no this is a weird story. Don't 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 fucking kill me. There, there was a Kazakh guy, the edgiest person I've ever met in my fucking life, studying obviously not in the United States, who bought like. 20 of those the second like mm. trump won and he was not reactionary at all he was just you know one of those like people that are just edgy yeah, for the yeah, sake yeah. of edge they want to you know see people's reactions and obviously it's outside of the states so people don't know mm. the full connotation and so on and so on at one point he like gave it uh, gave those to all of his friends and i remember like uh seeing photos from his uh bachelor party like many years later i think like last year or something but obviously it was in kazakhstan it was during covid uh, mm-hmm. uh you know i couldn't travel or whatever but they saw instagram stories and shit his actual fucking like uh dress up for his uh stag party was everybody wearing mega hats and like t-shirts <laughs> with massive eagles and they were walking <laughs> he told me they were walking around astana and they were uh, pretending to be americans who came there for a stag party you know for a Oh even though they're locals and uh, that that is that is some edgy shit i mean that is I but, but i swear to shit like it's weird i like it every month i see at least one guy in this capital city of a balkan country just 
sporting a MAGA hat at least really? once a, a month. And it usually looks like they're they're like Americans, but a few times I've noticed they're mm. very, they're like uh, you know local Slavs or whatever the fuck. And it always that catches me by surprise. I'm like, that is like, why are my two worlds merging? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Of course, JT walks around regularly with his Maggie hat. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. I've got that. I've got a Blue Lives Matter sticker on my car. I'm invincible. The cops will never pull me over. I'll never get in exactly. any fights with the locals. No, it's that. But mm-hmm. realistically, though, that is a, a very good way to protect yourself if you are uh, uh, like a minority in the in the United States, especially the South. If you wear mm-hmm. you wear yourself a MAGA hat or you, you got a Blue Lives Matter thin, or you know, thin blue line sticker on your car, you're good. You're safe. That's actually not a bad <laughs> idea. Yeah. Fuck, I'm going to need to get me a MAGA hat and a thin blue line shirt when I come visit you. <laughs> Fucking hell. Yeah, and what? I'll tattoo like a swastika on my forehead when I go into the Nazi neighborhood. <laughs> but, uh, Hakim, you, you won't get away with it. Uh, uh, you're pro- uh, what's your favorite hat? Is it something ethnic? My- oh, I sounded yes, so white right hat. now. Something mm, ethnic. Yes, I my, love my, that word. My favorite hat is uh, incredibly ethnic. Um, no, no, I'm chronically hatless. Though, though, I will say I, I have a... Uh, uh, what we call in your Arab we call it yal, but in the rest of the Arab world it's called kafia. I mean, not only like yeah, it's it's called. But there's many different words, but it's basically the thing that you're thinking of. The the thing that you put on your head. There's a, a black like round thing on the very top, and uh, it the it's a cloth that falls over your shoulders. Yeah. the thing that you see Arabs wear. Yeah, yeah. You, you know exactly yeah, yeah. what I'm thinking of. So um, immediately I have to ask that everything that every white person listening right now is asking. If you visit uh, any of those countries. Where that is, you know, something that is worn. Is it racist yeah. to actually wear it? No, oh my God. Okay. If you wear it, actually, people will think it's cute. Aww, like, oh, that's nice. adorable. Like, he's, he's, he's like, you know, testing it out and whatnot. People will help you. If you were to go up to anybody on the stream, like, can you help me put it on? Because there's a way that you're supposed to put it on. Uh, they would gladly stop whatever they're doing to Aww, help you put it on. I love that. Uh, that's so sweet. I love it. Uh, people are super sociable at this kind of stuff. There's no concept of uh, cultural appropriation here. Don't worry. Unlike with the French. If exactly you try right. to yeah, if you French. try to speak French with them, they'll just look at you and like spit in your face. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, look, uh, the French are unlike because they're not. <laughs> they're not loved by God. We're, say that much. <laughs> we're sorry, oh, French listeners. You're, you're loved by you know, us. Asterisk. The, uh, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah was actually uh, an allegory for France. <laughs> Everybody and welcome back to the D program. Excuse me, I am a little bit sick, and I have me some some tea with a little bit of honey mm. to soothe my uh, to soothe my throat because um, I don't have uh, JT's kisses uh, uh, for that right now. There you um, go. Anyways, what about what my I was kisses, about the, bitch? Uh-huh. No, your kisses are intended for elsewhere. <laughs> ah, oh God, okay. exactly right. That's when you have a little poo poo. Oh my God, you exactly. come! Like I have a little poo poo down there. Animals. Like, exactly yeah, yeah, right. I'm very stupid. Yeah. I'm. About to yeah. fix that boo boo right up. <laughs> I want you to turn that little boo boo into a big boo boo. Oh yeah. God! <laughs> anyways, anyways. But it's strange because you immediately give me the disease because then my boo boo gets bigger and bigger. Mm, there Whenever I go. see That's your exactly boo boo, gentlemen, to the to the topic at hand. <laughs> uh, well, it is the topic we're talking about: cocks, basically. Uh, yeah, exactly right. right. What was I gonna say? Uh, the things that I said about the French before, uh, I met. I meant one hundred and ten percent. Okay, so if you're offended, good. Uh, if you're French, I don't know why you're listening. Uh, <laughs> you should. 
Jesus. <laughs> no, 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 leave that. Leave that. I'm kidding. I'm joking. These are all fucking jokes. Please don't take the too seriously. I sound like a fucking smoker today. What's wrong with me? Anyways, um, so the main topic for today is uh, every American president is a war criminal. I think this is a non-controversial statement. Mm. Uh, but let's start exactly with what is a president? Um, first of all, not my president. Okay. Not my king. Not my president. Um uh, a president basically is a face to, occur, to current ruling class interests. Um, this goes, by the way, not only for presidents, this goes for prime ministers, other officials in capitalist countries. As long as there's some sort of official body in a capitalist country and there's this guy that you look at, this person is most likely just the current figure for the, the to, to represent ruling class interests. The mob, um, basically, literally. Basically. Uh, it's essentially, he's essentially, or he or she, uh, or they, uh, are essentially a powerless body the, the concept of presidency, uh, and only grants legitimacy to the rule of capital. This is something that we're basically repeating ourselves on from our uh, lectures, if you can even call them that, uh, on liberalism, which I recommend you check out uh, if you haven't. Uh, but this is why basically every U.S. president has been unabashedly pro-capitalist. Um, in fact, they even say this across the board. You've heard uh, Clinton say it. You've heard, uh, what's the, the, the ghoul? Um, uh, which one? The wo- woman who... Uh, the, the woman who the woman who existed before the, the the union was even founded. What's her name? Italian one, Italian American, Italian American. Uh, Insider training. Ah, uh, Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi. Yeah, uh, even Nancy Pelosi. Uh, oh, <laughs> like, sorry, it's fucking roundabout. <laughs> Ital- uh, Italian's not what I think of when I think Nancy Pelosi. Walk you over here. Exactly right. Her. Um, even I'm she selling stocks over here. <laughs> Exactly right. Um, Salsiccia. Oh, something like that. Anyways. <laughs> um, <laughs> why do people listen to us? I don't know. Anyways. <laughs> Anyways, my point being is this is why every U.S. president has been unabashedly pro-capitalist, regardless of what they say. Um, they've all, they're always intimately tied to ruling class interests and policies. I'm Either tied to the class interests over here! <laughs> exactly Christ. right, yes. <laughs> Either they're directly part of said class interests themselves, that means they have direct stake in it, or they eventually get a payout for being their you know good little, good little doggy. Uh, there's an attempt by like liberalism, or uh, this, this liberal separation of powers that we discussed in earlier episodes... All of this is uh, like presidency is used to reinforce the liberal separation of powers idea by claiming that there's a division of executive from other powers. But then again, if all institutions are in the hands of the ruling class and they all serve the same interests, it doesn't matter if these so-called separate powers are separated because they're all serving the same fucking interests, right? It's like saying that your different limbs are separate from your body. It's ridiculous. Or from your nervous system, however you want to interpret it. Uh, this is basically a repetition of our liberalism series, so I won't delve too much into it. And it's too serious. Uh, I just want to shit on U.S. presidents today. <laughs> so um, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. The three presidents we're covering today are George Washington, uh, Abraham Lincoln, and Woodrow Wilson. Uh, I guess I can start with mine really quickly. Originally, we were going to do three presidents each, but then we started writing, and we have, like, <laughs> ten pages <Yeah>. of shit. <laughs> so this might be a series. Let us know if you like it. Uh, <laughs> this will definitely be a series, and we can do presidents from other countries. We can just uh, yeah. go full out. We can even do commie leaders, you know, self-criticism, yeah. blah, blah, blah. We're open. Hey, but no, that will be a lot more serious. This one I just want to hate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyways, all right. I'm going to start with... With, with something that... If, if uh, racism towards white people was a thing, 
Hakim would be like the the dragon of the KKK. Olympic, like oh yeah, yeah. (laughs) Olympic level, Olympic level, absolutely. Um, But yeah, but no, I love JT too much. Okay, I have a white friend, so it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) You can't be racist towards my people. You have a white friend. (laughs) Oh my god, I'm I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Anyways, uh, so we'll start with George Washington. All right, before these boys take it away with other presidents, Uh, I'll give you a quick biography of somebody who I I swear to God, honestly, and I'm sorry to say this, JT. Amer- early American history, like seventeen, like fifty until like nineteen twenty, yeah. maybe, <sighs> is the most dog shit boring. Like the abolition movement is kind of interesting. Yeah. That's the only interesting bit, and also like it's kind of messed up in a, in, in a macabre way. But the, the the genocide of Native Americans yeah. is grotesque to learn about, but you want but to learn it's, about it. It is interesting. Yeah. yeah, the conquering by the colonies of the North American continent yeah. mm-hmm. is fucked up but very very interesting jesus but why am i saying this like super excited no. but it is i mean no, it is the most successful genocide of all it. time yeah mm-hmm. it's uh, yeah it gave nazis the, the blueprint right mm-hmm. so it's, that's why it's interesting to, yeah. to learn about but all the rest is so boring so that's why i'm gonna give a very loose overview of george washington's life before getting into the meat of it because i honestly don't care about this guy <laughs> um so george washington um was born in 1732 uh he had a typical upper class upbringing of the era he inherited significant amounts of land between 20 and 32 kilometers squared um which all grew tobacco and other cash crops um wait uh, jesus 30 square kilometers of land 30 yeah 30 square kilometers of land Whoa. yes kilometers excuse you but <laughs> <laughs> i've always been curious about that so we say kilometers here in the u.s is does most of the rest of the world say kilometers Ne, yeah, kilometer, yeah. blyat, kilometer. Yeah. kilometer 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 da very good. And but in 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 Arabic, we never say the meter part. So we're like, oh, where's how far is that away? We say like eighteen kilo. Yeah, kilo. I need twenty. Mm, 20 but yeah, kilo. Yeah. But we say just kilo. Does, yeah. Doesn't kilo also mean kilogram? Yeah, that's why it's, it can be what's it called uh, confusing. But with kilogram, we also say kilo. And we also it's very strange. Kilo. Yeah, right. we we also say kilo instead of kilogram when we're talking about mm. kilograms. But we said kilometer when we're talking about kilometers. Jesus, huh. yeah, we really don't want to talk about fucking Washington. Washington, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you are less fun than a debate on how to pronounce kilometer. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'll quickly just fucking run through it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He inherited fuck like fuck you land, a ridiculous yeah. amount of fucking land. Um, and all of it was tobacco and other crash crops being grown on it through slave labor, of course. Not only did he, did he inherit land, he also inherited slaves from his family. And then went on to a lucrative career of all sorts of sketchy business activities, all on stolen land, of course, as a sensible human being does, mm-hmm. a piece of shit. <laughs> um, he was commissioned as a lieutenant colonel in 1754, uh, where he fought in skirmishes uh, against uh, the French. It was the, the French and Indian War, which eventually became the Seven Year War. Uh, all this is incredibly boring nonsense. Um, so you're going to say this is, this is why me. this is. <laughs> This is, this is the nice part of his life because he was fighting. Oh French, no, 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 the enemy no, no, of my no. enemy. The, <laughs> uh, there's the, yeah, no, there, there's no nice part of his life. This is this was a fucking demon and a ghoul, and I'll go, I'll, I'll illustrate this um, through marriage, uh, of course, theft of land and speculation and assets, amongst other things, but also through marriage, he became one of the wealthiest people in the colonies, one of the wealthiest men in the colonies. Uh, and these basically resulted in very clear material interests for him, particularly for land and its speculations, as this was his most lucrative asset, uh, which formed uh, formed his uh, later uh, political perspectives. Excuse me if I sound a little bit clogged. I'm still sick. So... Um, yeah, uh, these material conditions formed his later political perspectives, which resulted in several wars over na- native territories, which he was a huge proponent over. It was is basically 
and his biographers are kind of on, on uh, unanimous about this. His his pleasure in life or his life's goal was expanding westward uh, and specifically into native land, which shows he's an upstanding human being and forced to steal the land of others. Through all this uh, process, of course, developed different ways of maintaining uh, hegemony over the stolen native land and, of course, creating institutions around maintaining uh, and administrating said stolen land, which became the United States. Um, there was the Second Continental Congress uh, in Philadelphia, May 1775, uh, which was basically um, the, the Congress that essentially elected uh, Washington to become the commander-in-chief of the Continental Army, which is the army of the um, colonies uh, of the U.S., uh, so this was basically the first formation of the United States as an independent political force that's able to establish its own uh, interests through like force of arms. Uh, and then this way they went on, of course, with the aid of the French uh, up till 1781 to get the, the surrender of the British at Yorktown, which basically allowed the United States to declare independence and become its own country. And in 1787, a new constitution was ratified and Washington was elected president. And that's where we end up, him being president. He did that for a while, for 10 years, retired, and then died of a throat infection in 1799, so fuck him. Uh, Here comes the meat of this, really, uh, and this is the bit that I want to get into. The cult of personality around George Washington is disgusting. Every mainstream source that you go over, an American mainstream source, tries to paint him as some, like, oh, he's some complex character, oh, he's misunderstood, he's rough around the edges, but he's still a hero. They give him... Every single excuse that you can think of, they try to, I'll give you a couple examples. They try to paint his genocide of Native Americans and mass enslavement, like these two things. They try to paint it positively by going like, oh, but he gave them a chance to give up their land before killing them. Mm, he's a good guy. Yeah, no, but, uh, boys, please, all right? He's, he, he, he was good. He was kind, all right? He was, he, was a, he was a good little boy himself. Another example that you see that I've seen reproduced a few times is uh, this is supposed to be like representing him being good. In one, in one instance, basically, an event occurred at one of his, basically, parties uh, where they tried to paint him as a good man because he wouldn't let his party guests rape his slaves. Jesus. Um, yeah. Let me just quote you a little uh, a little thing. The mystery of George Washington lies here. The civilized man could, on occasion, turn into a very straightforward and reckless male, himself a barbarian. There was even a rumor that he had a secret system for rating the erotic abilities of his enslaved conquests. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Lord. <laughs> yes. He, uh, because of how much he used to sleep around with slaves, um, and it's also believed that he used to visit prostitutes, not in, you know, like when he was young and he went to Barbados and he visited prostitutes there, he became infertile basically afterwards. And it's either because he caught smallpox in Barbados and that caused him to become infertile, or he caught uh, STDs from either slaves that he uh, was sleeping with or through uh, visiting prostitutes. We don't really know, but uh, either way, this this was not a guy who was known for being the most upstanding of, of, of citizens, <laughs> if you can even word mm. it that way. Uh, let me quote you something else. Uh, and this is them trying to like you know paint over and make him seem like a good person. Washington was a man of his times, both civilized and savage. He was interested in fashion and had his suits made by the finest London tailors. He wore corsets to keep his back straight and his belly out, as all genteel men in polite Virginia society did. He powdered his hair. He even enjoyed dancing and minuets. Uh, because of course you know because um, he liked to dance and wore expensive clothing, that makes him you know civilized. But the savage exactly. bit is him enslaving and killing. Mm. <laughs> like, my favorite part is on the on the. Uh, this isn't from a New York Post article. Uh, this this quote that I uh, I just read out to you, uh, and there are comments here which are so ridiculous. And this is on all comments. These articles are 
ever so lightly critical of Washington, if you can even consider it being critical. And the comments are absolutely ridiculous. So let me, let me, if you'll indulge me a little bit, Please. just for the, for the, for the meme. Comical to read the title of this book about our greatest American by a guy who looks like he hasn't even mowed his own lawn, never mind led an army into battle. It's a rite of passage for liberal soy boys to try uh, to trash Washington. The man was singularly responsible for the right to do so. Is this book trying to semi-cancel Washington? Oh. <laughs> um, Washington was not only the greatest man in American history, but also the greatest man in world history. Oh, my God. <laughs> of course. Mm. Most of the scandalous allegations itemized in this hit piece on George Washington are likely unconfirmed rumors. Okay. <laughs> Wishful liberal uh, thinking. Revisionist rubbish. Speculation lies in myths. Yeah, it's, it's just a... And, of course, by the way, a few of these um, are have been removed... Uh, so I'm assuming they said something racist, yeah. I guess. Um, <laughs> they almost sound like but, communists, yeah. you know, with the little infighting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 I know. But no, it, it's still like uh, uh, the way that people immediately just jump out and be like, oh, no, he's out. He was absolutely the greatest man in all of history. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you can be a little bit fucking critical of. Yeah, yeah. Um, let, let me let me uh, give you a little rundown of what kind of human being he was, just so you know, uh, and without all the propagandizing that you usually hear, the positive ones, at least. Um George Washington owned many people. He owned many slaves. His first foray into owning people was through inheritance, where he inherited 10 slave people uh, when he was 11 years old when his dad died. Throughout his life, he purchased dozens, if not hundreds more, depending on how you count in which, uh, which period of his life. And as an adult, he gained more through either uh, acquiring um, like various assets or through marriage uh, or through differing estates. He would regularly uh, order slaves to be whipped. One example was that uh, a slave walked on the lawn of his house, and he ordered that that slave be whipped. Mm. Um, He had an aggressive policy of pursuing runaways. He always tried to stop enslaved people from being freed accidentally when visiting free states, which didn't allow uh, slavery. Um, the punishments, which was his official punishments for his own slaves, uh, were either from uh, demotion to field work, so, so like even for his house uh, slaves, for example, to send them back into the field, to be whipped, horrifically whipped and beaten, to permanent separation from their family and friends and everything that they know by, by selling them to somewhere far Jesus. away so that they could never see their family again. This is the, the kind of quality of human being we talk about. He was so against freeing slaves that his own staff, household slave staff, he would rotate them periodically between the capital and Mount Vernon, where he lived, his, his, his home basically, in order to circumvent Pennsylvania's uh, Slavery Abolition Act, which basically automatically freed any slave who moved to the state and lived there for more than six months. So before the six-month period would be out, he would rotate them out so they wouldn't be accidentally wow. freed. He owned something like more than 500 slaves throughout his life, and by the time he died, he owned 123 people, 123 human beings as one man. Mm. Let me uh, give you a little quote. Washington was frugal on spending for clothes and bedding for his slaves and only provided them with just enough food and that he maintained strict control over his slaves, instructing his overseers to keep them working hard from dawn to dusk year round. He would further comment, by the way, after uh, working them to to death, essentially, he would comment that, oh, no, they don't work as hard as I do. They're just lazy. They just (laughs) lazy around. Um, As a landowner... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to, to continue to enumerate his, his many uh, uh, glaring successes as a human being. Uh, as a landowner, he always sought to expand his holdings. He, he already owned huge tracts of land. He owned land that had been passed down from his great-grandparents, who basically were some of the first settlers that arrived in North America. And uh, he, as mentioned, he constantly tried to expand this specifically through encroaching on Native American land. Uh, he would do this either by annexing it outright or, quote-unquote, buying it, buying large tracts, and then murdering anybody who lived on that land to prove that his deeds were legitimate. Uh, speaking of which, by the way, the people who, that he bought the land from 
they didn't recognize ownership through bank mm, deeds. Yeah. So he basically went to a white bank run by settlers and said, this land, I'm buying it. He would buy it and then he would show up to these people and be like, hey, I own this land, so get the fuck out. Of course, it's their home. They're not going to leave. And then, then he, he would end up killing and massacring and doing what he would do. Otherwise, he would do, um, like he would show up to uh, random Native American colonies and try to basically buy them out by paying them some ridiculously low sum, uh, which he believed was fair because these savages don't understand the yeah. worth of the land that they're on. And then he would continue to, as, as a massacring extraordinaire, <laughs> to do, do what he does best. When he was a, a commander in the Continental Army, uh, he ordered the destruction of many indigenous communities. In fact, basically any indigenous community that they came across and None of which, none of these indigenous communities, no indigenous person was allowed to participate in the glorious oil republic that he set up as they were denied citizenship and the right to vote until 1924 officially. Uh, and they were only able to fully exercise their ability to vote as citizens of the United States in 1948, less than 100 years ago. Mm. This is the same guy that said all people are created equal, we're all democratic, blah, blah. This, this is the same dude. Uh, let's quote him himself, all right? The expedition that you are appointed to, this is a, a letter that he sent to one of his commanders, the expedition that you're appointed to command is to be directed against those hostile tribes of the six nations of Indians. The immediate objects are the total destruction and devastation of their settlements and the capture of as many prisoners of every age and sex as possible. It will be essential to ruin their crops now on the ground and prevent them from planting more. Parties should be detached to lay waste to all the settlements around with instructions to do it in the most effectual manner that the country may not be merely overrun but destroyed. This is official. Jawohl, Heil Hitler. Oh, no. Heil George. Absolutely. Exactly. Oh, say again. Literal SS quote. Literal SS quote. Yeah, fucking disgusting. He earned himself a nickname, Town Destroyer. Uh, which, by the way, is just a regular, you know, some guy. Oh, crazy Bob! Crazy yeah, Bob! Kind of, he he can he can drink a beer while doing a handstand, yeah. a handstand. But, uh, but George go Washington out, got, uh, go out on town and destroy it. Yeah. yeah. So um, oh no, you got uh, mixed up murdering the Native Americans. <laughs> I thought you were gonna do yeah. a headstand. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, what are you doing? <laughs> um, but anyways, yeah. So uh, his nickname, Town Destroyer, by the way, was shared by his great grandfather, who likewise was given this nickname by natives uh, because he occupied stolen land like his great grandson uh, and murdered natives off of it. At this point, I would have liked to list his battles and de and the deaths caused by it, but it's just very, very depressing yeah. to go through because it's exactly like you imagine. It's armed settlers raiding native land. There's rape. There's murder. There's massacres. There's cleansing of the land, and then just rinse and repeat. That that's all that happens. Mm. Uh, in between, of course, incredibly racist and disgusting ideas of what Native Americans were like and how they should be treated. And my favorite part is all this is either glossed over or tried to be like whitewashed. They tried to whitewash it in these um, sources. Basically, any any source, American source, they come across this. Um, scarcely do you find anything critical of it, even to the point that certain American communist sources I found are a little bit like, you know, mm -hmm. they're, they're, they have a soft spot for yeah. this motherfucker. I don't, it's something I, I don't understand. But yeah, anyways, they, they kind of uh, tried to say like, oh, but in his private conversations, it seems like he was sympathetic to abolition. Yeah, that's why he owned 500 people. Mm. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> All right, this is, anyways, at his, his peak net worth was like, if you were to scale up to today, uh, would have been estimated to be around almost $600 million Jesus. today. And uh, he held title to more than 65,000 acres of land mm. in 37 different locations, which are all stolen native land, by the way. So he's a man who made his fortune, both his fortune and settled colonial country through the mass enslavement of one race and the, uh, the mass genocide of one race and the enslavement of another race. And this is 
Like if there ever was a microcosm of the U.S. to to signify what the United States stands for really as a as a as a country, then it's this dude who, inshallah, is rotting in hellfire for his all the fucking crimes mm-hmm. that he committed. Like Columbus, may he be damned. All right, he'll go down the annals of history as just another black mark on on the history of our species. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but eventually, in the grand scheme of things, this this is a person that will be condemned by history because at the end of the day, he didn't preside over anything glorious. He presided over mass death of enslavement, but he g- gave it a little Roman dressing to pretend yeah. that it was fucking sophisticated. If you're interested in in reading like much more deeply into this topic, uh, there's a book that was pu- published very recently. It was published this year. Uh, by David Michael Smith. It's called Endless Holocausts, Mass Death in the History of the United States Empire, mm. which is a very good book. I highly recommend it. Um, it's incredibly depressing. <laughs> it's very depressing. Um, but it's very, very good. It's one of the first like serious academic attempts to ki- to, to try to uh, numerate like, the, the, like capitalist development and link it to the deaths that were caused. So it's academic. It's a little boring at times, but it shows you really the, the, the barbarity of this of this system and what it resulted in. So yeah, George Washington uh, is a not good uh, guy. Yeah, not no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> he's not a he's not a uh, he's on the naughty list. Okay, that's what I'm gonna say. <laughs> but, but, but you you said something really wise there. Uh, just as he was a representation of the creation of the United States as a concept in the United States at that time, as this you know hypocritical balance between you know uh, talking about introducing the first genuinely free place on planet Earth, and on the other side uh, being a basically genocidal maniac you know the 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 country was literally george it it, it was the perfect guy to found it it was the perfect guy to represent it just how kind of in a funny way you know a a uh, slobby borderline cheeto looking yellow motherfucker like (sighs) donald trump uh, represents uh kind of modern america Uh, yeah you and after him you know Joe Biden with uh, with all his little shenanigans representing, you know, the even more the even more modern uh, so-called democratic uh, United States. So what I'm trying to say is, you gotta give it to the Americans because you guys always manage to find proper representation of where your your mind is at at that time. So uh, I guess your democracy to an extent, <laughs> yeah. uh, even Legitimate. coming from this old <laughs> communist, uh, seems mm. to be relatively legitimate. Well, you, know. you know, this is more more of a condemnation of uh, of the so-called electorate than it is of the people that are chosen to elect it. But I guess that doesn't apply to George because George is arguably, if you ask American historians, the first and last American dictator mm. because in a revolution that is necessary. But then if they would talk about, you know, Lenin leading a revolution, they would only call him a dictator mm-hmm. without, uh, you know, saying that it is necessary to seize all power while doing whatever you need to do. But uh, speaking of like characters like uh, Lenin, I kind of shot myself in the foot I wish I made a, a choice similar to uh, Hakim's with a person like George Washington, but my objective was to, you know, cover Lincoln. Uh, and in my modest uh, opinion, he's 
one of the rare, more complex figures of the American presidency. And obviously, while it is an imperative for us as class conscious, you know, anti-reactionary boys, girls and NBs to hold with, you know, massive disdain all figures who participated in colonization, imperialism, and obviously people who held very fucking racist <laughs> beliefs. Uh, we must, you know, also kind of remember that, a, you know, a lifetime isn't as short as we might say it is and that people just like, you know, so-called great men of history, ranging from the previously mentioned Lenin to like the Alexanders, the great of the world, that they had, you know, altered their opinions greatly throughout like one particular lifetime. Obviously, Georgie Boy from Hakim's example <laughs> so really didn't. He even established <laughs> it. Let me buy some more slaves. Let me fucking whip that motherfucker for walking on my grass. But, uh, you know, Abraham was no exception. Uh, and as you will see, while well, we attempt to kind of give him another look, uh, he was a very flawed man, obviously a man of his time, and often a man who, uh, let's co let's say it very, like, guess politically correct, held very mutually exclusive ideas and beliefs at mm. the same time, uh, which we will see as we go through. His biography... Uh, in my opinion, this compared to, for example, maybe George's, is a bit more interesting because this is a guy who went through a shit ton of things before he actually got to the position of presidency, which might have informed some of his personality aspects and so on and belief systems that uh, were not, let's call it, typical for the upper classes of America of that day. He was born on February 12th in 1809 in a log cabin in Kentucky. He was the second child of a guy called Lincoln and a woman called Nancy. Uh, when he was just, you know, nine years old, his mother died of milk sickness and Lincoln's dad remarried. Uh, the family later moved to Indiana and then to Illinois, where Lincoln ended up spending most of his childhood. But uh, before, you know, his position that we all know him for as the president of the United States or the great freer of the this and that, Lincoln also mm -hmm. worked like almost as many jobs as, I don't know, me. I use myself as examples because I worked a lot of fucking different shit. So uh, mm -hmm. he began as a farmer working on his family's farm in Kentucky. Then he moved on to become a store clerk. And the combination with the store clerk as a bar owner. A funny story there, he ended up losing the bar, not because of his own habits, but because of his best friends and co-owners' habits of basically drinking everything that went into the <laughs> actual uh, bar's uh, budget. Later on, he became a postmaster, which basically means uh, being uh, the guy who runs the local post. Then he became a captain in the Illinois militia. Uh, he never actually saw conflict at that point. He never actually saw war. Uh, he helped with logistics, shit like that. But it was obviously like most wars in the newly established uh, United States, basically going and killing a bunch of Native Americans. Uh, after, you know, uh, his brief stint in the military, he became a lawyer. And then politics began with him being elected as the Illinois state representative. Uh, he was elected at that position in 1834 and served four terms. So that's a lot of experience in office, to say the fucking least. Uh, he became a U.S. congressman in 1846 and ended up being elected to the House of Representatives. 
lawyer and law partner afterwards after his term in congress uh, he obviously returned to his law practice and finally at one point he became the president of the united states where he was elected as the 16th president at the time uh, in 1860 and served until his assassination in 1865 uh, i remember like learning about lincoln back in school and the, the professor commenting how he was very old at the point at which he became president. And, you know, all the different, as you see, crazy different life experiences that he had previously. But now when we look at, like, modern presidents of the United States, this dude was, like, in his fucking prime. This guy was young as shit. I mean, these guys that they're pushing out here at this point are borderline hitting 90. Mm. Probably half of them even lying about their age to get into office. But, okay, that is his... Relatively interesting biography. Let's touch on the two main things that uh, are the most controversial. Obviously, his relationship to Native Americans and his relationship to African Americans or natives and Africans. I don't know, maybe not everyone wants to be considered American. Mm. But, you know, Lincoln obviously had a very complex uh, relationship with Native Americans. If you read official academic sources and so on, in my opinion, they were not as complex because of the levels of misdeeds that he had performed uh, uh, against uh, against them throughout his lifetime. But, you know, let's try and be a liberal in this case and try and overview everything properly. So before his presidency, actually, it was kind of relatively chill, except for being a part of a militia that was supposed to fight, uh, you know, the local... Uh, they have Americans defending that territory. But okay, let's just pretend we don't. We, don't, we haven't heard that. But yeah, yeah. Um, in, in the beginning, he had like obviously limited direct involvement with Native Americans. However, as a congressman and later as a lawyer, he did have some interactions with uh, tribes in the Midwest. He famously represented the Potawatomi tribe in a land dispute case, which he won on their behalf. Uh, this case showcased, you know, his ability to, I guess understand that advocacy for Native American rights in the legal system made sense. Now, does this make what he, what I'm about to tell you he did later look better or look worse? I will leave that to you to decide, but uh, in my opinion, a, a racist that absolutely uh, does not believe in the humanity of a certain people and then does horrible shit to them is obviously horrible, but not as bad as someone who understands that they have humanity and yet continues to do very fucked up shit to them for one reason or another and and i think lincoln kind of pushes in the later category but obviously during his presidency he faced a number of uh, so-called challenges related to native american relations one of the biggest issues was the ongoing conflict with various tribes in the west which had escalated into a full-scale war by the time he took office lincoln's response to this conflict was to pursue a policy of total extermination which aimed to wipe out uh, the tribes that were seen as hostile to the u.s government this policy was brutal and led to the deaths of thousands of native americans let's go a bit into detail here while it is important to note that the policy of extermination towards native americans was not solely pursued by lincoln by lincoln kind <laughs> of uh, linkedin as well inherited it to an extent but still it was a long-standing policy of the united states government 
towards them. But during Lichten's presidency, this policy continued to be implemented in a very brutal and devastating way, particularly in the context of the American Civil War. Uh, did he have the potential ability to stop it or not? A long conversation can be had about it. But did he in no way uh, depict any sort of fucking willingness to make it less brutal, there is absolutely no proof of that, uh, th th when it comes to Native Americans at least. His uh, way of operation when it comes to uh, how the U.S. Uh, military uh, moved through Native American territories was not at all changed as, uh, as compared to uh, what was set up before. So the argument at all, he was a bit more lenient or whatever the fuck cannot really uh, be um, defined. One of the most significant examples of his policy was uh, the forced removal of the Navajo tribe from their lands in Arizona and New Mexico in what is known as the Long Walk of the Navajo. In 63, uh, General James H. Carlton, who was appointed by Lincoln, implemented the campaign to force the Navajo off their land and onto a reservation in eastern uh, New Mexico. The campaign involved the burning of Navajo crops, homes, and livestock and resulted in the deaths of thousands of Navajo people mm. who were forced to march over 300 fucking miles to the reservation. You walk fucking five miles, you're going to fucking faint. Uh, imagine walking without any food for that fucking length. Uh, conditions on the reservation that they then arrived to after 300 miles were at least to say harsh and many Navajo then, if they didn't die from the trip, died of disease and starvation in the actual location. So again, people like trying to alleviate this, oh, a product of his time, but he knew better. Okay, then why wasn't the reservation at least well stocked and like better if you want, you know, that land for your beautiful white mm -hmm. people and you want to push them out? Like if, if there was some wish to be not as harsh, but still follow whatever the policy of the state is, it could have been done. But it, it I am yet to see any evidence that it was done. Uh, in addition to the forced removal of tribes, his administration also continued the policy of violent conflict with tribes who were seen as so-called hostile in the U.S. government. One notable example of this was the Sand Creek Massacre. Very famous. I even fucking learned this in fucking, you know, Central Balkan schools, which took place mm -hmm. in 64 in Colorado, where a group of U.S. soldiers attacked a peaceful encampment of uh, certain two tribes, killing over 150 men, women, and children. For no fucking reason whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Another aspect of Lincoln's policy Policy towards Native Americans was the promotion of white settlements in the West, which often resulted in the displacement of Native tribes. The Homestead Act and the Pacific Railroad Act, which were mentioned in uh, you know the previous comments, were both designed to encourage white settlements in the West and increase the reach of the U.S. government over. Native American lands and, you know, well, obviously deservingly overshadowed. Uh, still, I guess it is important to note that there were some so-called positive developments during Lincoln's presidency in terms of Native American relations. Uh, he signed the previously mentioned Homestead Act, which provided land for settlers in the in the West, but also allowed and listen to this, gave American Native Americans, you know, the right to actually purchase land and own land, land that they were just kicked off of, they get to rebuy as 
private property while also at the mm. same time not being citizens who are mm. eligible to to vote. I know this is a communist podcast and we always talk mm. about how it always goes back to property, bro. But imagine like you have this this whole like what you consider basically a different species of like subhuman and you don't want to give mm. them shit except okay if they become property owning. You still <laughs> won't give them the other stuff, but if they want to be property owning, you know, we can kind of, you know, look the other way. It, it is like a, it's like almost fiction book uh, mm. when you look at the uh, history of... Uh, yeah, comically uh, of, evil of, is, mm-hmm. or comically silly at least is, you know, at the very, at the very least. Absolutely, brother, at the very least. Another so-called positive development of Lincoln's interaction with Native Americans was something that I think uh, uh, most modern American politicians really are inspired by. He appointed, you know, uh, Elias Parker as a member of the, who was a member of the Seneca tribe as his commissioner of uh, Indian affairs. And, you know, Parker was the first Native American to hold this position. And he worked to improve the conditions of Native Americans on reservations and protecting their rights. Though, you know, one could say that this was just, you know, old school identity politics, hiding war crimes behind appointments of minorities to house speaker positions or some fucking shit the way they do today uh, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah overall uh well linking did make some i guess steps positive ones towards recognizing native american rights uh, his policy of extermination towards certain tribes particularly in the context of the civil war had a devastating impact of on all native american communities to not give an example that is too fucking harsh, but it's basically like in uh, calling his impact on Native Americans uh, positive would be the same as saying, you know, when the Germans were running through Poland, they gave some rights to the local Poles that they needed uh, to run uh, like uh, local industry. So that's why they gave them some mm. rights and some property rights and some whatever. But the plan, obviously, in the long run was never to, you know, keep the Poles around to just as with most likely the the Native Americans. But I'm going on far too long. When it comes to uh, the Native American question, Abraham Lincoln is undeniably a uh, result of his time, yes, but an absolute monstrosity which did not do absolutely anything to stop the treatment, uh, not only treatment of Native Americans, but active persecution because those are two different things very active persecution uh but let's get into the actually really spicy stuff oh my god this wasn't the spicy stuff no the actually (laughs) the actually controversial shit because with native americans it's very black and white in my opinion but now talking about black and white jesus that was bad (laughs) let's talk about you know lincoln's relationship with black people basically and honestly i'd listen to american black people regarding what we should think about Lincoln's role in the abolishment of slavery, the Civil War, and so on a lot more than I would listen to me or any of the three of us. Uh, but, uh, you know, in the in the spirit of how we previously presented this uh, this interesting fellow, uh, let me just throw out some facts and then you, you guys can make your decisions uh, by yourself. 
Uh, Lincoln's perspective on uh, African Americans uh, evolved throughout his life, and his views on race and slavery were, one could say, objectively, and even in my opinion, relatively nuanced. At times, he expressed opinions that uh, we would consider bad shit evil today, but he also took important steps uh, to end slavery and advance the rights of uh, African Americans in the country. You know, in his early years, Lincoln expressed views that were common among many white Americans at the time. He believed that, you know, African Americans were inferior to whites and that the two races could never live together in harmony. In a speech in 58, he said, and I quote, I am not nor ever have been in favor of bringing about any way the social and political equality of the white and black races. However, Lincoln also believed that, I keep saying LinkedIn, however, <laughs> LinkedIn also believed that, probably LinkedIn also believed that slavery was wrong and should be abolished. He spoke out against the expansion of slavery into new territories and worked to limit its spread. He believed that slavery was a more issue and that the United States could not continue to exist as a so-called free and democratic country until while millions of people were under bondage. During the Civil War, Lincoln uh, took a number of steps to advance the rights of African Americans. He issued the Emancipation Proclamation in 63, which declared that all slaves in the Confederate States were free. He also supported the 13th Amendment, of the Constitution, which will abolish slavery throughout the United States. In his second inaugural address in 65, obviously I'm not going to go through the details of the actual Civil War. Most people listening to this probably know most more than enough about it, and if not, we can have a whole episode where we actually discuss it. Here I'm talking originally about Lincoln's relationship to Native Americans and now his perspective to basically was he racist, his perspective towards African Americans. And uh, in his second inaugural address in 65, he spoke of the need to rebuild the country after the war and to achieve a quote-unquote just and lasting peace between the North and the South. He expressed the hope that the country could move past the division of race and unite as one nation. Overall, uh, Lincoln's perspective on African Americans obviously changed over time. He was a centrist in the early days of his career and an adamant racist, while uh, because back then being a centrist is being racist. Basically, Still like today, is. nothing has changed. <laughs> exactly. Uh, while in one of his last speeches ever, he went so far as to propose citizenship for blacks, especially for the 200-something thousand that fought against the Confederacy. All in all, Lincoln's fight to abolish slavery was a fight against exactly that. Slavery as a system, as a concept, not necessarily the liberation of a particular race of people. Again, his fight against the system of slavery, not necessarily his fight to liberate. Very important distinction to be made, which he himself made multiple times. But with that being said, the consequences of whatever he believed or did not believe was the total abolishment of uh, one of the world's last and definitely the world's largest slave colonies at the time. So I guess... I'm repeating myself, but uh, I'll let, you know, the more melanin-rich comrades decide <laughs> how history should treat this undeniably interesting but uh, 
greatly fucked up uh, historic figure. One thing I can say without a doubt now from a purely Marxist perspective is that Lincoln is a great example of how systems rule the world, not men, as Hakim beautifully put. Whatever one might think of his legacy, even if he had been born with, a, I don't know, mind of a progressive 2023 uh, gender studies professor back mm-hmm. then, his presidency would probably have gone in a similar, if not identical, way, a colonial imperialist state resolving its own inconsistencies between the northern bourgeoisie and the southern slave runners was always going to end the same way all class conflict ends, with a test of their mettle. Snaking its own ass, I had to say, just to balance, <laughs> exactly. balance everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was beautiful. You guys picked the uh, probably the two most well-known American presidents, uh, and I checked the document. I saw you you guys had already taken them. I'm like, well, shit, I guess that means mm-hmm. I get to pick between the 43 other boring people that everybody has forgotten. Mm-hmm. All right, mm-hmm. so I picked Woodrow Wilson, the 28th president and a world-class piece of shit, probably because <laughs> his parents named him Woodrow. <laughs> I think the world may have been spared an enormous number of, of truly heinous crimes if they had just like named him Dave or something, or Pete, <laughs> uh, like Pete Wilson, Owen Wilson, perhaps. Um, though, in, in fairness, his first name was Thomas, and he just chose of his own accord to go by his middle name. So maybe he was just a sicko. I don't know. Um, but apparently, apparently, Woodrow is a toponym, which means row of houses by wood. In old English, <laughs> okay. this, this guy's this guy's name is literally uh, like a, a hedge suburbs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nicknames Woody. Of course, he's fucking called Woody. Yeah. Oh my god. Well, okay then. Uh, a sorry, quick rundown on Woody's mm-hmm. early life. Uh, he was born to Scots Irish immigrant parents in Staunton, Virginia, in 1856. And one of his earliest memories was hearing some passersby complaining that uh, who else but but our friend Lincoln, who we just heard about, had been elected and that a war was brewing. Uh, He was one of only two presidents to have been citizens of the Confederate States of America, a failed, intensely racist regime that fought exactly one war and lost. Um, And his family were were supporters of these losers. He graduated from what is now Princeton University, where he studied political philosophy and history, and was a member of the Whig Literary and Debate Society. So, you know, one of the the earlier debate bros, a proud tradition that goes back to (laughs) uh, such names as, as Plato, Aristotle... Uh, other Greek people. Um, <laughs> Guy whose name is Fence, like that's what it ended yeah. with. Yeah. Kid named Finger, yeah. Uh, <laughs> he got his law degree from the University of Virginia, where he served as president of the Debate Bro Club. Uh, and then there's a bunch more boring stuff. He got married, he was a professor, he was president of Princeton for a while, he wrote some books, he was governor of New Jersey, where he was walking. Uh, oh, and then, <laughs> my <laughs> And then finally he was elected president in 1913. Now, Wilson was a Democrat, or a, uh, or a demon rat, as they're called around these parts, uh, and served as president from 1913 to 1921. Very boring years, of course. Nothing interesting happened between, the, between 1913 and 1921. Um, nominally, he was opposed to U.S. imperialism. But he very frequently meddled in Latin American affairs, at one point going so Mm. far as to say, I am going to teach the Southern American republics to elect good men. (laughs) Mm, (laughs) How how very kind of of him, uh, this this white savior. Mm. Um, He signed a treaty. He was the last one to do that, right? Uh, Yeah, yeah. No one's done it since. What a guy. Uh, (laughs) 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 He signed a treaty that turned uh, Nicaragua into basically a protectorate and occupied it with U.S. soldiers throughout his presidency. 
He sent troops to the Dominican Republic and to Haiti and authorized military interventions in Panama, Cuba, and Honduras. He presided over the massacre of innocents throughout Central and South America through various occupations. But what he's really known for, and, and, and even this part is, is mostly forgotten, uh, even among you know, Americans, we, we don't really learn this stuff, um, it's the Sedition and Espionage Acts that, his, that are his legacy. When the U.S. decided to enter World War I, there was pretty considerable pushback against the draft by socialists, anarchists, uh, and pacifists. This was the first draft the U.S. had had, um, and Wilson didn't want the opposition to get out of hand. So, fearing that anti-war speeches and pamphlets would undermine the war effort, Wilson and Congress passed two laws. There was the Espionage Act in 1917 and the Sedition Act in 1918. Uh, which criminalized any, and I quote, disloyal, profane, scurrilous, or abusive language about the U.S. government or military, or any speech intended to incite insubordination, disloyalty, mutiny, or refusal of duty. Uh, so that's very, very broad, very vague language, and that was intentional. Um, and this could very easily be seen as the precursor to McCarthyism, when Americans were, you know, hyper suspicious of each other over not being patriotic enough or not vocal about the support for their support for the war, um, and the government locking up dissenters. Some anti-war. Yeah, it was the first Red Square. It mm. was the first Red Scare. Absolutely, the second yeah. the Bolsheviks started overtaking. There's absolutely no debate about that. That exactly. was the first Red Scare. Yeah, yeah. Um, and some anti-war activists got 20 years in prison for refusing to die for imperialist bickering. Wilson launched a, a massive propaganda campaign to get Americans on board with the war, uh, trying to instill hatred of Germans abroad and hatred of disloyalty at home. And he said that disloyal Americans had, quote, sacrificed their right to civil liberties, such as free speech and expression. <laughs> yeah, how about that? Um, there was a crackdown on pamphlets, on books, uh, personal letters, even anything that could be seen as vaguely opposed to the U.S. war machine, which led to the arrest of thousands of American citizens, including one Eugene Debs. Not to be confused with Eugene Krabs, who is SpongeBob's Salute. boss. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but this wasn't the only stuff that, uh, that Woody got up to during his time in office. He imposed segregation in government <laughs> positions, firing many black Americans from federal positions. He was also a supporter of segregation in general in the wider public. He opposed women's suffrage vocally enough to spark protests. In a time when you know, oh, wait. Women, oh, no, no. oh my God! On. <laughs> in a time when and when women's suffrage was you know still very much up for debate, he was vocal enough to to actually cause protests. Um, all in all, he was a thoroughly despicable guy with enough room in his agenda to oppress women, non-white people, and anti-war protesters at home, and wage imperialist war and occupy countless sovereign nations abroad. But do you want to know the best part? And I'm uh, I'm quoting from his Wikipedia page here. Quote. Scholars have generally ranked Wilson in the upper tier of U.S. presidents, although he has been criticized for supporting ra racial segregation. His liberalism nonetheless lives on as a major factor in American foreign policy, and his vision of ethnic self-determination resonated globally. <laughs> Unless, you know, you're, you're, you're not white, or you're located in the global south, or you speak ill of the United States in any way. But, you know, that's that's liberal scholars for you, everyone. So I just thought it would be interesting to to talk about Woodrow Wilson here, especially because he is considered one of the better U.S. presidents. And this guy still, like even though he was, you know, supposedly against U.S. imperialism, sent troops all over the place, particularly in Latin America, 
um, even more so than than some of the stauncher imperialists that we see today, um, with occupations, with massacres, with with brutal beatings, with displacement of families, all of this stuff. It just goes to show that if you you know you spin a wheel and you you pick a president at random, it is a one hundred percent guarantee that that person is going to be a piece of shit because that is what is required by the history and philosophy and spirit of this country. Mm. It is it is and always has been an intensely racist, classist, imperialist regime built on hatred and genocide. And that's that's how it works. That's the the myth of the United States is that it's some bastion of freedom and goodness in the world. But if you just do a tiny bit of reading, especially from sources that are from outside the United States, suddenly you'll start to see that, oh, wow, maybe maybe we're not the good guys in this situation. And I, I highly recommend picking up that, that book that Hakeem mentioned at the beginning because that there are some some very eye-opening things in that and, and plenty of other books such as um, William Blum's Killing Hope is another good one. Um, oh, yeah. Hey, exactly right. But, yeah, there you go. That's three presidents. We, we've knocked out what, <laughs> what percentage of that is is uh 9 18 27 eh, 12 uh, <laughs> fuck i don't know <laughs> oh, fuck that's the reason i do podcast buddy yeah, I, I can't, can't do that it's why it's why i chose uh, medicine fuck that <laughs> oh my god we did a percentage of the presidents but uh maybe we'll get to the rest of them eventually if you guys want let me uh i call dibs on on taft but as as uh, <laughs> who, who's, super the, who's, entertaining. The one, who's the one who pulled his penis out when he was asked uh, why are we in Vietnam and then he pulled his penis out? I was like, this is why. That was uh, one of the American. Is it Big Dick who Johnson? Pulled his penis out Vietnam War. <laughs> Lyndon B. Johnson. Yeah, Lyndon Big B. Dick Johnson. Johnson. Yeah, his name is Johnson. Yeah, baby. <laughs> once yeah. asked, once asked, once asked the reporters badgering him about why the United States was in Vietnam with a simple, unmistakable, off-the-record gesture. He unzipped, pulled out his penis, and said, "This is why." Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, Completely, uh, you know, the American presidential penis, nicknamed Jumbo. Oh my God. <laughs> It's probably uh, the least awful himself. thing a U.S. president has ever done. Is, yeah, it's kind of based. It's kind of based. Kind of based <laughs> way to answer yeah. a question. <laughs> mm. Yeah, sexually assaulting the press corps. But, <laughs> but but to but to but to finish off, basically, I'm going to quote what Hakim named this episode in the file. Ladies, gentlemen, and NBs, every president is a war criminal. Amen, brother. Uh, and with all that said, this has been the episode. I would like to thank our, all our patrons, of course. Uh, check out the merch. Check out the Patreon. Check out the Habibi tier, uh, of course. So you, if, you, if you're interested in having unhinged conversations like <laughs> basically this podcast. And, of course, uh, be sure to check out First Thought uh, in which you can get the, the, the usual biased news coverage. Uh, we put up banger after banger three times a week. Mm. So uh, at least I hope. <laughs> I hope. You guys let us know. Um, but this has been the program. I'm Hakeem. I'm JT. And I'm Yugopnik. All right, guys, let's pull out our penises. <laughs> <laughs>